0: You know, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, persistency pays off. That is very true. But there's a huge difference between being persistent and painfully persistent. And the latter, it could cost you a job. How to ride that fine line, we'll tell you coming up next on this edition of Sports Booth. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 21, Being Persistent versus Being a Pain. I'm your host, Matt McConnell. Well, during our last episode on Sports Booth, we talked about the importance of networking, the art of meeting and developing relationships with decision-makers in the sports broadcasting world. Relationships that are vital to helping you get your foot in the door after college. You know, it's funny how the words networking and relationships are so intertwined in our business. And if you want to have success building your network, you need to know how to go about handling the relationships. You know, it's no different when you're applying for a job. Being persistent is vitally important, but becoming a pain in the you-know-what is one of the quickest ways to get overlooked. Think about it from the employer's point of view. Imagine if they receive 100 demos for an on-air play-by-play opening, and each one of the applicants reaches out to them once a day. That's 500 inquiries in a single day. Over the course of a work week, that's 2,500. So how would you like to be in the position as the hiring manager? It would be brutal. You know, I've heard the horror stories of applicants doing just that, calling every single day leaving message after message, emailing every day. And for some reason, they feel as if that's the way to go, to stay on top of it, to be persistent, and eventually get a call back. But in reality, nothing could be further from the truth. The person that constantly calls the office quickly gets labeled as a pain in the ass. And once that happens, your chances of the gig are gone. After all, they have 99 other people that they can consider for it. At the other end, never reaching out and never making contact with a hiring manager can be just as bad. That's because you've never tried to establish a relationship with the hiring manager. You've just kind of applied for the job and you've waited back to see what might happen. There's no relationship created there. And while building a relationship with a hiring manager during the application process is typically rare, reaching out to check on the progress shows that you are motivated and you desire the position. It's also a first step in showing the manager that your follow up and organizational skills are sound. And that's something you'll need when calling on clients when, yes, you're out selling. All right, so what's the right way to handle communication with a team? After you've applied, well, allow me to suggest the following steps that should make your candidacy stronger and the hiring manager's day easier. First, I would follow up with the team or organization a few days after you send your resume and demo. This is a good first touch, if you will, scenario for you and the organization. To me, I think email is the best way to go here. Keep your message short and to the point. Make sure your contact information is included always and make sure you end your email by thanking them for their consideration. Now, at the same time, I'd suggest to begin a log that tracks the dates when you reach out to them. The first entry will be a date when you sent your materials. The second entry will be your first follow-up contact and so on. By logging your information, you'll be able to keep track of when you made contact with them. If they give you an idea when they'll start reviewing materials, include that in your log and reach out to them a few days later. From that point on, contact with the team is really up to you based on the knowledge you've gained during the process. It's always a good idea to follow up shortly after their reviewing process has ended. At that point, you'll have a better idea if you've made the cut or if they've moved on from you. If they've moved on, make sure you thank them for the opportunity and encourage them to share your materials with other hiring colleagues from around their league. Hey, you never know, but this could lead to an opportunity for you down the road with another team. Now, if they tell you that you've made the next round, be direct with them. Say, where do we go from here? That phrase, where do we go from here, is called a trial close. It's used all the time in the sales world to allow reps to continue the selling process. You saying that to a hiring manager reinforces your interest in the position. And you know what else? It forces the manager to let you know what the next step of the process will be, something that you need to know. For example, the hiring manager might say, we will reach out to those who have made the cut to talk to them about the position in more detail, We'd like to fill the position within the next 30 days. So let's stop and think for a minute what you've learned. By the manager saying that they'll talk to the candidates about the position in more detail, you can probably assume the job is more than play-by-play. So a good response from you might be something like this. I really appreciate the information in having made the cut. As you continue the review of my credentials, you'll see that not only have I experience in play-by-play, but I also have experience in sales, public relations, and planning. And I understand those areas are just as important to calling games. Are there any other materials I can provide to you to showcase my qualifications? If they say yes, then provide additional materials. If they say no, realize that that's fine as well. And it's also a chance to trial close them again. Should I reach out to you for an update in about a week? Or is there a better time for you? By doing this, You're persistent, yet you're not being a pain. And this reminder, throughout the process, start getting your materials ready. You've begun the waiting game, but that doesn't mean that you can't get all of your materials ready if need be for later in the process. Make sure you have materials that back up your claims, that you can do the work and have the experience in the areas you say you do. Start thinking about questions they might ask you should you get a formal interview. Write it down and be prepared. Be ready because you never know when you may get that call. And listen, don't get discouraged if you do all of this and the process takes longer than you anticipate So here's what happened to me right before I graduated from Michigan State University. It was late July and I was reading the Detroit News sports page like I did every day. And on page five of the sports section, there was a small, tiny little story about how the Flint generals of the International Hockey League were moving to Saginaw and that the IHL was placing an expansion team in Flint to be called the Spirits. So I saw that news and looked upon it as a job opportunity. I started assembling my portfolio, which included my resume, my demo tape, and copies of stories I had written for the state news, which is the student-run newspaper in East Lansing. A couple of days later, I decided to get into my car and make the 45-mile trip up to Flint to hopefully meet the person in charge of hiring. So when I arrived at the arena, the parking lot was packed, cars were everywhere, and the lights inside the arena appeared to be fully lit. Of course, I had no idea what was going inside the 4,100-seat arena. Well, it turns out it was the team's season ticket open house party. So I walked inside, and I looked around towards ice level, and the arena floor was packed with people. The turnout was great. Yet all I really cared about was making contact with the team's general manager or whoever was in charge of the hiring. So I asked, and eventually I found Carl Robertson. He was hired to run the business side of the team and would also be the hiring manager and the person in charge of hiring the team's play-by-play guy. When I found him on the floor, I walked right up to him and introduced myself. Hello, Mr. Robertson, I said. My name is Matt McConnell. And I want to come to Flint and help the organization build their hockey team. So he looked at me and he said, well, what do you do? Well, I said, I'm a sports broadcaster and I would like to call the team's games on radio. At that point, I handed over my folder of credentials. So Mr. Robertson accepted my portfolio. He said he'd take a look at them. And he thanked me for coming up to see him. We shook hands and guess what? That was the end of our interaction. Over the next couple of weeks, I reached out to the team and left messages with the office manager to have Carl call me, but unfortunately, that never happened. Shortly after all of this, I graduated from MSU and needed to start my life. Without a broadcasting gig in hand, I decided to take a job in consumer product sales with a Carnation Foods company outside of Ann Arbor. I signed an apartment lease. I moved all my stuff to Ypsilanti, And I figured sports broadcasting at that point was probably no longer in the picture. Heck, I had a company car, full training, I had all the benefits, and the salary was pretty good too. Then in early October, my life would change forever. I was up in East Lansing with my mom and dad for the Michigan State-Michigan football game. And as was typical back then, Michigan was crushing the Spartans. It was cold, it was rainy, and something else... It was 42 nothing Wolverines at the half. Early in the third quarter, my mom just turns to me out of the clear blue and says, Oh, Matt, I almost forgot. Some guy from Flint called looking for you the other day. I thought my teeth were going to fall out of my head. Was his name Carl Robertson? And my mom says, I can't remember. Carl who? Yeah, maybe that. Yeah, maybe his first name was Carl. I honestly can't remember, Matt. At that point, I figured it had to have been him. I mean, I didn't know anyone from Flint named Carl. And the organizations don't call you when you don't get the job. So later that night, after their three-hour ride home from the game, my mom sent me the phone number. It indeed was Carl Robertson's. That was on Saturday night. I got in touch with Carl that Sunday, the very next morning. The season for the Spirits began that following Wednesday, and the first broadcast was three days later in Indianapolis. I mean, I had to get out of my apartment lease. I had to quit Carnation. I had to hand in my company car and deal with the wrath of one upset district manager. And trust me, I understood. They had hired me, trained me. And I just up and left. But I told the district manager that I had to do it. I had to go chase my dream of calling games in the NHL. And you know what? Flint was the first stop along the journey. Just as a quick side note to the story, I actually used my company car to move all my stuff to Flint before quitting the job. I thought it was a pretty slick move on my part. Then after I quit and handed it back to the company, I gathered up some final personal possessions and yes, I hopped on the Greyhound bus for the 90-minute journey north. That Flint Spirits team finished with a record of 16 wins, 60 losses, and 6 ties and ended up being the worst team in the history of the International Hockey League. The team hemorrhaged cash and was sold at the end of the season. All of us, as a result, were out of jobs. I briefly ended up back in sales before taking a similar position to the Flint one with the Peoria Rivermen of that same International Hockey League. You know, looking back, I should have been more persistent in trying to land the Flint gig in the first place. But as it turned out, they weren't quite ready to hire for the position when my timeline was set to be hired. Sometimes your timetable and the team's timetable just don't line up perfectly. Sometimes you need to be patient. All the time, it's best to be persistent, just don't go over the line and become a pain. Hey, don't forget if you have any questions regarding our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at pxpquestions at gmail.com. And make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Sportsbooth Pod1. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll talk again on another edition of Sports Booth.